Okay. Did you guys listen to part one where Tallulah talked all about being vegan, owning a vegan restaurant in South Africa and here in the United States? What it's like to be a vegan when you're pregnant in the middle of COVID, opening a restaurant 10 days before COVID started. Oh my God. Can't even. What a cool episode. So if you haven't, go back and start there. Because in this episode, I continue the conversation with Tallulah around her crazy, wild birth story, having COVID, her water breaking, and her doula, me, not being able to go to the hospital with her because they wouldn't let me in. It was really sad. It's a beautiful birth story. And there's so, so much to learn about advocacy. Oh, you guys are going to love this birth story definitely share it with someone too. If you know anyone that like is pregnant and like gets COVID, like this is a positive uplifting story for them to hear. So again, start with part one, listen to Tallulah's like entrepreneurship journey and all about being a vegan, and then come back to this episode for her birth story. Okay, let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the birth story podcast and you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know, do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition. And like we get into it. We make birth plans. We do birth visions. We listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences. How to take care of your baby. I guess what I'm getting at is... If you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan? I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy, and you are ready to crush that birth. Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. So Tallulah, while you tell the audience or take us on a journey on how you applied kind of the lifestyle changes of pregnancy to thinking about labor, delivery, birth, postpartum, nursing, When you grew up in South Africa and weren't as familiar with the hospital system 
in the United States and and how you came to navigate I would like an unmedicated birth with a doula. Like how did that go down? In South Africa, it's so crazy. I was actually looking yesterday on Facebook of so many um, friends that I grew up in high school and it's like, oh, I'm having my baby in eight days. In South Africa, you can book a C-section like you're booking your hair appointments. Um, and it's crazy because I just feel like there's such a gap there in terms of how amazing your body is and incredible, you know, to to have a natural birth. So I think um, I really, you know, coming over yeah, it was new to me. So I wasn't sure of, okay, are we pro-natural? Are we pro, you know, kind of C-section? And, and when I say this, I mean in terms of if it was your decision and not an emergency. But um, I soon kind of realized that the options were put on the table, but unless you kind of knew exactly what you wanted and were going to advocate for yourself, a lot could kind of go wrong or not go to as what you originally wanted. So um, I'd say um, I've kind of nailed it down to, you know, a few of the biggest things that got me to having a natural, a natural vaginal unmedicated birth. And number one would be when I went and saw my provider, I was probably that like that person that they didn't want where I asked a million questions. But for me, I just had it in the back of my head, like this person is going to be delivering my baby. So, you know, that's a huge thing. And I think people, you know, until you're in that room and giving, you know, in labor, giving birth, do you realize what a big deal it is for, you know, who the person is who's delivering, you know, they have such an impact on your birth. So, you know, I asked all those questions and, you know, I wanted to know how she felt about me having a doula and just kind of watch her body language and reaction. Cause I knew that would come into play in the room, you know, um, asking questions about, okay, so is my husband going to be with me 20, you know, uh, 24 seven in the room? Uh, what happens, you know, when I go into labor, just trying to get a feel for what she's like, what she's pro, how quickly does she believe in intervention? Um, you know, how long, would she allow me to labor for if I did want a natural vaginal birth? So, you know, right from the get-go, because in my head I was like, if this isn't the person for me, I can switch. Like never did I want to feel like I was stuck with her. So um, I soon found out that, you know, with my provider within the practice, I think there's five midwives. And one of those would be the ones that would um, deliver your baby. So the thing is, you might not necessarily meet all five of them, but um, you know, you might not be able to get the same appointment with your original one all the time because obviously they're really busy. But um, out of the five, I got to meet three. And I did meet the uh, the one midwife who was there on my first day and was crazy because I didn't take a big liking to her. But in my head, I was just like, you're not going to deliver my baby. <laughs> the next appointment, I just made sure I scheduled with a midwife that I really did like, you know. So I just want to say, like, really have power in that because those kind of appointments and stuff should be special and memorable and not stressful. And if they don't make you feel good or if you don't get a bad vibe, don't go back to them for that appointment. Like, you know, and that's totally how I was okay. Like I didn't give a shit, to be honest. It was like, this is my baby, my body. And I'm going to make sure that I always feel comfortable and good, you know? Yeah. So that was a biggie. Tallulah, I was and just going to tell the yeah. audience real quick how to have that conversation, right? Because I never yeah. rotated. Once I found Sage, my midwife, I never, ever, ever rotated. And I would get to check out and they would be like, okay, well, you need to be seen next week, like on Wednesday or whatever, right? And I was like, oh, okay, like, well, what times does Sage have available? And they were like, oh, she's not working that day. And I would be like, oh, that's, I'm not available that day then. And then they would be like, okay, well, Thursday. And I'd be like, well, when Sage available? And, you know, we would do this until like basically the checkout girl was like, I was like, listen, I'm either having an appointment next week with Sage or I'm not having an appointment. I feel great. I don't need to come in for this appointment. That's a you thing, not a me thing, you know? So if you want me to come in and get checked out, you need to make sure Sage is available. And sometimes the midwives will rotate to different locations. So I was also willing to go to a different location um, that's called continuity yeah. of care. So you can opt to rotate and meet some of them. Like if you're 89 years old, you're going to remember your birth story like that. You're going to remember these prenatal appointments like that. Okay. It's so important that we advocate to have that right provider in front of us and fire your provider. Like you were just talking about getting your hair done, right? And Tallulah has like the best hair. If you guys see Tallulah's po <laughs> postpartum hair, you will realize 
how healthy she is. The rest of us who are not on a vegan diet, we lost all of our um, bangs essentially and like our front of our hair in postpartum. Not vegans, not vegan Tallulah. Her hair just like was even better. (laughs) It just got better, you know? And so like, you know, it's really, really important that like if you went and got a terrible haircut, you would never go back to that hairdresser again. Your vagina and your rectum and your abdomen and your baby, no, bye. Stay with the the provider that makes you feel safe and comfortable. And if it's not the person standing in front of you at your appointment today, find a new one. Call all the doulas in your city. We'll tell you who to go to, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, but I think that, you know, sometimes you feel awkward afterwards, like you said, with appointments and they try and make it as if, you know, you have to go with somebody, you don't have to go with somebody else. So, um, yeah. And then I think the next one was just doing a lot of research and being in the United States. I soon realized that if I wanted a natural vaginal birth, that a doula was an amazing option. So um, when I started looking Guys, you can look for hours and days and days for doulas and read a million pages. But I kind of sat there thinking to myself, like, what am I looking for? And I, I'm the type of person, like, I go off on an energy of feeling. I kind of listen. I listen, you know. And uh, I remember when I went into Heidi's page before, this is actually before Birth Story Academy, it was Birth Story. And I remember, like, scrolling through and just the visual imagery and just, you know, reading a little bit about Heidi and stuff. I just got an amazing feeling. And I thought to myself, this is the first time I've actually got this feeling. I'm going to listen, you know? And then I kind of thought I'll reach out. And if it's meant to be, and there's space for me, this is my doula. And that's how I basically found Heidi. But, um, you know, we actually have a lot of doulas who come to our restaurants, et cetera. But the thing is, it's like such a personal thing. I think that, you know, like I said, when I went on a feeling, I hadn't even you know, met your hearts before I had a conversation, but just that kind of energy, that exchange, just reading your kind of words and your story and then your personal birth story. I just knew that this is somebody who could, who could speak for me um, when I needed to, you know, be spoken for. And with the doula, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you are in labor, you do become super vulnerable at certain points of it. And it can get a little bit overwhelming or you're so zoned out that, you don't want to talk, but there's certain things that you still want, you know, and this is when this neutral person comes in and um, to really make sure that that happens and they know your birth story better than anybody in that room uh, besides yourself and sometimes even better than your own partner. So I think having that person who's not going to judge you firstly, because we all have our dreams and beliefs and different things that are important to us, but no judgment and then somebody to just basically love on you and just fill you with that positivity even though you have you know parts of you that doubt certain things but that's you know that constant flow of positivity is so powerful and then um, I think also you know with your partner it's a very big thing too you know having somebody that he can also you know when you can't be there for him it's also a huge thing for him that he's going to go through it's life-changing so also having somebody that he feels comfortable with to ask questions or to lean on or if he's feeling overwhelmed um you know it's a team so for me um the doula and the natural it kind of just linked together was a like I said earlier like a no-brainer and I think that I knew that I was going to choose somebody that was going to empower me with everything that I needed to give me the best chance of having this natural unmedicated birth. So um, that was, you know, I think an absolute must in the whole process. Um, And then on top of that, I expanded out to, I read a lot of books on hypnobirthing. So hypnobabies and hypnobirthing is very different, but that's a whole nother story. But I concentrated on hypnobirthing. And basically, I didn't want to make it complicated. I just wanted it to be simple. Obviously, we worked, I worked every day up until literally I gave birth. So time was, you know, a bit of a problem, um, which isn't a good thing. But um, every night, whether it was 10 minutes of affirmations or meditations for an hour, I always made sure that I did it. So I started as early as I could. Don't leave it until the last week because unfortunately humans like habits so um, I started it pretty much from like 12 weeks sometimes I'd actually fall asleep listening to it which is perfectly okay but um, I, I did it and it was amazing how just calm and peaceful and easy it was for me to get to that state of mind each day that I did it um, I actually found the most amazing hypnobirthing was on YouTube there's some incredible 
people on YouTube for the hypnobirthing. So that's something um, that I'd highly recommend. And then on top of that, I kind of, the one day, I think this was getting closer. I was probably about 30 weeks pregnant. And um, I thought to myself that I have a few constant fears that keep on popping into my head. So like when I lay down at night or when I was on my own, these are things that would kind of, you know, come into my mind and would bother me. So I thought to myself, okay, let me try and get a little bit of control on this because I would hate for this to happen for me, um, you know, while I was in labor and to ruin all of my plans. So I thought, okay, I'll reach out and see if I can do some hypnotherapy. So a lot of people, I mean, I didn't know this, but a hypnotherapist is actually a clinical psychologist. So it's not like you're just going to anybody. This is somebody who is really, really trained on it. And, you know, they do um, addictions, traumas, all sorts of things. So I found somebody who was just around the corner from me and I thought, okay, let me be open-minded and go see what it's about and maybe she could help me, you know? So I went and it was amazing. And the session's about an hour and a half, but there's like a full 60 minutes of the hypnotherapy. A lot of people think like you're going to be unconscious and not remember anything. And it's totally not like that at all. I think that makes people a little bit scared, but it's not. I mean, it's basically a conversation and then you do get comfortable and they take you to a really peaceful place where you are fully conscious, but um, you're able to dive deeper within yourself and find out, you know, where the core of these fears are coming from, what's you know, what's the solution to them? And they use a lot of like visual imagery to help you, to help you kind of work through that fear. And I mean, you could go for one session and be okay. I think I went for three in total, but it was actually incredible. After the first one, I really kind of stopped thinking about those things. And I, and I can tell you guys what the fears were. So number one, um, Daisy Moon is a rainbow baby. So that was a biggie for me that just knowing that I wasn't going to lose her again and that I was going to, you know, she was going to be okay. Um, and turning that negative into positive that I was going to have this beautiful baby girl in my arms this time secondly it was tearing which I think is like something that every woman thinks about when they're pregnant so that was one for me and then thirdly it was the pain was I going to be able to uh, work through the pain or was I going to you know, kind of buckle out and go for an epidural. So how was my body going to react to that pain? So it's pretty incredible how she does it. Um, but she managed to, you know, help me work through that and turn those fears into something positive that I just remember thinking to myself in the end, no matter what, like I'm going to be okay, you know? And um, another huge one was that, um, you know, how was I going to be with change? If my birth story didn't go to plan, which that's exactly what happened. Zinger, um, right? Yeah. Was I gonna was was I gonna freak out or was I gonna respond and you know be okay with it? And, and you know I'm so grateful that I did that because that's exactly what happened to me. And I just knew in my head all the time that I was gonna be okay. okay. So yeah. And then the last thing, which was I think also a biggie, is guys already protect yourself from people's opinions. I can't express that enough. Like. Choose who you want to engage to have a conversation with what kind of birth you're going to have. A lot of people think it's like talking about what, you know, what's the weather like tomorrow. It's not. People love telling you 90% negative and 10% positive, And they love to project like, you know, what happened to them? You are so different. Your body is different. Your mind is different. I built such a large wall up that I didn't really speak to a lot of people about it. Some close friends who did ask. Um, who I told I could see their reactions and why when I said I medicated it was almost like yeah that's what they all say you know but it, I kind of like prepped myself mentally that it doesn't matter what anybody else pretty much says um you know I know what I want and I think you have to be so mentally strong in what you want and not let other people influence you like for example like your mom your births are not your mom. you know what I mean a lot of people are like you're gonna have your mom's birth like that's not gonna happen so um yeah, I just think people's opinions, you just have to really, really guard yourself from that. You, you'll you see for yourself what I mean, but people love telling you this story. You don't even have to ask them. If they tell I you know. <laughs> we try to keep the birth stories on the birth story podcast pretty positive, but I also like to give like a good roundabout too. And I mean, it's so true. At almost every client I work with, I have the mother and or the mother-in-law story, birth stories to deal with. And they instill fear instead of instilling yeah. encouragement often, you know? So you you had these amazing recipes, right? Like you chose the right provider. You were eating an amazing vegan diet. You're filling your body and your mind with like empathy and positivity. 
And when you got stuck, you sought help with hypnotherapy. I think that these are amazing tools. Are there any specific YouTube channels that you remember that you would recommend for hypnobirthing? Oh yeah, I've got a lot. I've actually got my like uh, my faves list that I'll that I'll you know you be able to post. But um, a lot of them are actually UK based, and I don't know if it's just something with the their voice, honey, but it's just I feel like they they are so good at helping you to relax it's just incredible but I'll send you some where like I said are 10 minute and somewhere an hour so no matter what your day looks like you you're going to be able to put it in so I'll definitely do that for you okay that would be excellent for this audience we're going to put those in the show notes so when you're listening to this episode you can just hit pause and you can look at the show notes and they'll all be linked and I'll link my own to Tallulah I used out of Australia I think something with the like voice and the accent too. Her name's Melissa Spillstead and it was Hypnobubs and it's a surge of the sea was, I mean, that is basically what the, the waves that I rode all the way through both of my births. But to this day, I still call my oldest bubs from the Hypnobubs. (laughs) So that's kind of like, you know, his nicknames. I'm like, Hey bubs, love you bubs. Um, and it came from Hypnobirthing. Okay. We have alluded to the fact that you have had this change of plans. It's crazy for a story. And so I really want to get into it. So Tallulah and Richard and myself and our work partner, Colin, like we really worked with Tallulah and Richard to like be prepared for this birth. And we were really excited to be physically present with them and in their space, right? Like moving to Lula's body, giving her massages, stroking her hair, mothering her, nurturing her. And then we got a call from Tallulah. How many weeks gestation were you, Tallulah, when you made that phone call to me that your water had broken? I was exactly 38 weeks. At 38 weeks, I'll never forget it because I just like hung up and I'm like going to get teary eyed. I just hung (laughs) up and like bawled. Tallulah called to say that she was positive for COVID and that her water had just broken. And the hospitals here will not let the, you can't come in. So the doulas, especially if you're vendor doulas, were allowed to go to the operating room. We're allowed to do anything. But in the middle of COVID, the only stipulation was that your client had to be COVID negative for us to attend. And um, Tallulah, was, and was Richard positive too? No, he was so, negative the entire time. Yeah, so Tallulah was COVID positive. Now, I am going to dis- disclose this, okay? For two and a half years of being in this COVID shitstorm, Essentially, we have had two clients that were positive for COVID only in this whole time. Lucky Tallulah and another one of our clients, Lindsay, and that we weren't able to be with them and had to support them um, in a different way. What I will say is that my probably 70% of my clients had COVID at some point in their pregnancy to the point that in our private Facebook group, we have like a positive encouragement, like text chain going on of like, it's going to be okay. And the baby or babies are going to be okay. And here's the vitamins that I took and the raw garlic that I ate and all the things to get through COVID. So like we really have an encouraging group to support and Tallulah has been really part of that. But I will say Lindsay and Tallulah are my only clients that got COVID at full term. And they both instantly went into labor. So I think that there is something to say about being full term and your body recognizing that maybe the mother and the baby would be safer with the baby on the outside so that you can heal and that your baby can, you know, get out of a a womb environment that may be feverish, you know, or so. So your first sign of labor, correct, was your water broke. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, just mentioning I've had COVID before and I was double vaccinated. Yeah. So this was my second COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my water broke, um, on the Monday, on the Sunday at 9 PM, I remember Rich, um, that was actually the only day that I didn't work. I just wasn't feeling a hundred percent. And, um, 
because I noticed all my little dogs were kind of lying around me, which is weird because my mom was over from South Africa. So normally they would be attached to her hip. So um, I just, I felt different. And I remember that night he came home and I said to, I said to Rich, like, I really hope I don't go into labor and I feel like this, you know, and he kept on saying like, no, you're just thinking about like the, you know, the worst, don't worry, you know, just be positive. And that night at nine o'clock, I started to get like pains, but I'd had pajamal label once before. So I knew like just calm, you know, and it kind of continued until 3 a.m. But it was like a really bad period cramp more so. But I knew I was 38 weeks. So I thought to myself, no, you know, you're going to be fine. And then I managed to slip back to sleep um, until about seven. And then, uh, yeah, Richard went to go and open for our pastry chef. And as he opened the door, um, it was exactly nine o'clock on the dot. I was laying in bed and I just, my water, my water broke. And um, yeah, so I gave him the phone call and he asked me, are you sure? And I was like, yep, I'm very sure. <laughs> it wasn't a leak. It was, it was a lot of water. I think we never, ever, you know, as a first time, how do you always <laughs> speak about it? But you think like, oh, a little spray, like it's a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's very obvious. We get so many calls about excess vag that turns out to be excess vaginal fluid at the end yeah. as your body starts to lubricate and I'm like oh it'll be so obvious <laughs> you <laughs> have no idea how obvious and it just keeps coming out too it's not yeah. like one and done it's just like how many depends can we fill over here and I, didn't, I actually didn't know that until until baby comes out you, you, your body just makes more amniotic fluid I wasn't I, I don't know I must have missed that somewhere but I just couldn't <laughs> believe how much water it constantly was <laughs> it was before birth story academy because it's in birth story yeah. academy but the more we drink and hydrate the more amniotic fluid we create and then the baby will continue to drink that amniotic fluid and swallow and then the baby continues to urinate to like make yeah. that cycle of amniotic fluid so um, and then once your water's broken and your baby pees, like that's coming out of you too, yeah, which a lot of sense. people yeah. don't think about. So, <laughs> so we get, um, for the, your doulas, this is like devastating news, but we're like, okay, like, here's your plan for the day. It's no big deal. I think we talked about like your labor should begin within six to 12 hours, like just kind of like chill, but you are positive for COVID. So like maybe check on the baby. Like we were just trying to say like, here are your options. Your options are stay home and wait for the labor to begin. Um, it usually begins within six, eight, 12 hours. But with the uniqueness of COVID, like maybe check on the baby. And then we had said you can always go home, right? Like you can, you can, it's called um, AMA like against medical advice, but you can always go check on your baby. Everything's good. Go home or you can choose to stay. So I think, how long did you guys stay home for Tallulah? It wasn't, it wasn't long. We were at the hospital just after 10 o'clock. So obviously here, we live around the corner from the restaurant. So you got home. And then after I did, I did two COVID tests just to make sure. And it was positive both sides and my worst nightmare. So I just remember getting into the shower and, um, having like a mental talk and I thought let me just have a good cry now and just get like all those emotions all that like anger of like why can't I go how I wanted it to go kind of like deal with that in the shower and I had a really good cry and then I got out and then that's when my husband Dula kind of stepped in and was like we're we gonna do this we're gonna be okay but I think the biggest thing was Heidi is that like the COVID was just unknown about if baby was okay and I think that was the biggest thing between us of like you know, for me, immediately it was like, it's not about me, it's about her. So I just wanted to know that she was okay. So I think after those few, few phone calls, we just wanted to go and get her checked out and make sure that she was okay because obviously I was COVID positive. So yeah, we were at the hospital, I think at about 10.30, um, we got there and the moment I went to the front and told them I was COVID positive, I think they put me in a room in about five seconds. Um, <laughs> it was that fast that um the rules were I wasn't allowed to leave the uh, leave the room and, and Richard could only leave in, in emergency. But it was one of those rooms where there's almost like another room attached to it where any provider nurse would enter in that room first, get all their protective um, clothing on and then enter into your room. So it looks a little bit different to a normal um, hospital room. And like Tallulah means like when she says gear, I mean, like this is like gear, like yeah. goggles, face. She it looks like a hazmat suit, you know, that they're yeah. putting on. And 
like that's the part that was like the most devastating to me, like hearing like what that view must be like, right? Like, yeah, you know, like, that's- you know, and hopefully everyone treated you well, but like, just, I think being a birthing person in labor and seeing that view of like, that would be very, like, to me, that would feel very cold, scary, like, I want people to be, like, touching me and holding me and helping me and having everyone be very standoffish, I think, is what yeah. was heartbreaking. I think that's when the nurses, the, nur- the nurses were, like, the gods, and my nurses were, my nurses were amazing, honestly. I think, I think they were super sensitive to the fact that they knew that I was supposed to have a doula there and that I had a birth plan. And that I was COVID positive. And I remember my first nurse being like, you know, saying like she had just had it and, you know, she'd stayed away for the 10 days and just come back. And like, she's trying to make me feel better. But I think, I think the worst thing was that I felt like, wow, they're going to want to get me in and out just super fast because I'm like a risk to them, basically, you know, and that's definitely something that Rich and I both felt. But I think that's also due to my first midwife that I came in contact with. She, she was not she, I think when I saw her, that it was her and the one that I didn't like, I think my uterus literally went into a ball, like, okay, she's not coming out today. today. <laughs> and I literally said to like Daisy Moon, like, Daisy Moon, this isn't the one. You just got to hang on, like, until the right one comes, you know? And, you know, <laughs> definitely she listened. <laughs> yeah. So how did that day go? Because, you know, we say usually it can take six to eight, 12 hours. Sometimes it takes up to 24 hours. How did that day yeah. go? like once you were all tucked into the hospital yeah so um they got me put into the room like I said almost immediately and then um my nurse did my vitals and then the first midwife came and um she wanted to do a you know they checked the baby so they did an ultrasound just to make sure that she was fine and she was perfectly fine the whole entire time the whole entire birth she was perfect and um, they made me do a COVID test to confirm that I was COVID positive and um, so they did that too and then she wanted to do a check to see obviously how dilated I was to see you know how long which I could feel that you know if I, I wasn't I wasn't far but um she pretty much told me like really bluntly, well, it's looking like it's 11 a.m. now, so I'll give you until 5 p.m. And then from there, we are going to have to, um, you know, look at our other options about getting baby out. Uh, you need to understand that not everything goes as you want it to go. I understand you want a natural, a medicated birth. Um, we can't guarantee that. She then went on to tell me that um, she's got two boys and, you know, she had to be induced, um, you know, for both of them, except just cold. The word is cold. Yeah, cold, like, cold and like. I think my, as, my husband, uh, his eyes are this big because he could just read my body language. And like I was just like, get away from me. I just yeah. wanted her to get away from me. And I think my nurse could see that too. And she walked out the room and I said to my husband, she is not delivering our baby. Like that is absolutely not okay. And I just remember mm-hmm. the entire time there was a clock to the right inside of me on the wall. I constantly, Nankashi, I'd like put that in my head, was watching the time like, oh my gosh, like I'm not having strong enough contract. Oh my gosh, it's three o'clock. It's four o'clock. It's five. Okay, now watch, you know, like the pressure was like, since when now did I have to watch a clock to me? You know, my baby had to come within those five hours. And then um, she had actually sent the doctor that was on duty that day, um, he was a male doctor, to come and kind of convince me to speed it up. So he came, he stood by the door far away from me. I remember I was actually on um, a birthing ball and um, he was like, oh, um, you know, she told me that, you know, in your birth story, you wanted an unmedicated vaginal birth. Look, like you can maybe try like bounce on that ball or you can try maybe do, um, you know, a a breast pump. But like those things don't really work, but um, you know, you've got, I think I had like half an hour to go until five o'clock and then we'll relook at it, you know? So it's almost like she had sent him in to put pressure on me. 
And when he left, I just looked at my husband and I was like, absolutely not. Like, this is nothing that we discussed. This is nothing that my doulas told me. Like, this is not okay. It's yeah. the fact that I'm COVID positive that they're doing this, yeah. you know? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And, you know, Tallulah, I don't, we were mostly communicating with Richard at this point, you know? Like, yeah. so I'm I'm calling and, you know, I think we went on speaker a couple of times. Yeah. And um, just trying to tell you and encourage you, like, like, no, like you're still in control of your body. Like you can say no. Like if, if Daisy Moon looks fine on the monitor, you can still keep saying no to all of these interventions and this negativity. But I know that it was like so critical for you to get through to the night, right? So that the next midwife was yeah. going to be on um, in the 100%. morning who we like love adore, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So what was your so ultimate decision? Movie. Yeah, the castor oil smoothie. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think I gave Richard the instructions, right, for the castor oil yeah. smoothie. So he did the he did that, the castor oil smoothie, and then came back and I drank that. It actually tasted really good. I thought it would be like a bad aftertaste or not at all. Like you couldn't even taste it, to be honest. And then um, my nurse then said, okay, uh, you know, would you like me uh, to bring uh, the breast pumps so that we could do some stimulation? So I was like, hundred percent, let's do that. My only downfall to that part is they set the pump so high. My boobs were, my nipples were going to die. I kept on asking my husband to come and turn it down. And then, and that's why I love the Jack Newman's nipple ornament because without that, I don't know, like if my breastfeeding journey was going to be the same, but it was just insane. So it was 20, 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off. So I did that. Um, I did the birthing ball. I did the smoothie. But to be really honest, I was just really exhausted. I hadn't slept the night before. Like my body, I was You had tired. COVID. <laughs> you had yeah. COVID. The number one sign of COVID is exhaustion. You just fatigue. Yeah. I need to say something to the audience about the nipple stimulation. If you guys are doing pumping or nipple stimulation to induce labor, like Tallulah said, they turned it up so high. This might be the first time you've ever hooked up a pump. Like if you're a first time birthing person, most people haven't used their pump before. It's all about stimulating the nipples. It can be like tender touch with just your fingers. Okay. It could be water or the shower head. If it's the pump, it's just it's just a little bit. It doesn't have to be on a high setting. So it's like, you know, but I think sometimes everyone doesn't understand like the labor and delivery nurses and the OBs and the midwives. So we're here to tell you, just turn the pump on or tweak your nipples yourself or have your partner. Colin always says, put peanut butter on your nipples and have your partner <laughs> like lick, lick it off. I'm like, oh yeah, that's super comfortable in the hospital setting. But like, you know, just gentle. I'm like, here I am rubbing my boobs as we're like doing this podcast. But I'm like, <laughs> just like a gentle, like, you know, stimulation doesn't have to be so hard. So did you produce the, colostrum? colostrum? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, of colostrum, so I put it in like a little medulla kind of, you know, the little bottle Yeah, and I put it in the fridge and that's actually what I use on my nipples afterwards to get them healthy again. Healthy. So it was like, oh, well, at least I could use that to get them back. You yeah. Know? <laughs> oh my gosh. What a good tip. Not, and not everyone's going to produce that amount of colostrum or it like collects, but like, if you do either put it in those little containers or make ice cubes, like little colostrum yeah. cubes, and then you can like soothe with the colostrum cubes. So, yeah. so did any of this stuff start to work? Were you feeling waves and surges and contractions? So that only that um, night, so obviously the, um, so your midwife only goes off the next morning at seven, right? Yeah. But your nurse changes that night. So when my yeah. nurse came on that night, I just pulled her in. Listen, I'm telling you, you know, my baby is not coming tonight. I don't want a midwife to deliver my baby. So I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm going to like have a nap. I was on the birthing ball. I was still waking up and doing the, um, the, the nipple stimulation. I still did that. But um, Richard and I had already had a conversation. I was like, listen, Rich, I'm on my body. Like she knows how I feel about this midwife. Like we're not having a baby tonight. So we were pretty much mentally set on that. And he was like, okay, cool. She'll come tomorrow, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's, so that night I started to get, you know, contractions on and off, but, um, they were still like five, sometimes six minutes apart. And throughout that night, you know, 24 seven, obviously the nurse is coming and checking. Um, and then the next morning at seven, I remember looking up, I was literally like watching that clock at seven. I was like, oh, she's gone. 
It's like she's gone. So that night I had asked the new nurse, I was like, who's the midwife tomorrow? Because you can ask those questions, you know? So she was like, don't worry, let me go find out. And um, it was Marie. I can even say her name because how do you know how much I love her? But um, she said, Marie, I think the moment that I heard it was Marie, like my entire body just went like lame. Like, thank God, it's Marie. Like, Daisy Moon, you can come now. We all in the clear. Like, I'm ready, girl, you know. And literally, that that's how it was. Like, from 7 a.m. when she came in, just, like, the whole mood, the energy was completely different. Like, she was amazing. Number one, the first thing she addressed was that I was COVID positive and that I was no different to any other patients. And that if anybody, um, I'll never forget, she said to me, like, if anybody is making you feel like uncomfortable or good because you have COVID, like you let me know, like there's completely nothing wrong with it. Like, it's just unfortunate that it happened to you, you know? Yeah. So immediately when she did that, it just like, it stopped me feeling like I was a virus sitting there, you know, because that's how the others made me feel. And um, she had looked at my birth plan. She had chatted to the nurse and she loved you guys. Obviously she's very pro doula. And then she had said to me, like, we are going to try and get you, um, your dream birth and if I need to help you along the way like let's do that so um, I think like just just after speaking to her it was just a complete mind change and I looked at Rich and I remember saying you know she's gonna come today for sure yeah <laughs> and one of the most beautiful things is is that Marie and I have a relationship and so having your doula and your midwife have a relationship too and know each other is very important because I was able to say to you and Richard do I have your consent to be texting with your midwife Marie about your care today and you guys said yes and so then I was able to text with Marie throughout the day like when different recommendations for medical interventions and things came up, I was able to like have a conversation with Richard and then have a conversation with Marie and then really feel like your voice was being elevated too. like even though you were busy laboring. And so it was it just made me feel like wonderful every time your midwife would check in with me, like we're considering this how do you think Tallulah would feel about that before I walk in the room, you know? And it was really nice to be able to like talk to you and Richard a little bit and then talk to Marie and then be able to make a game plan. So you knew you were going to have a baby that day. You were having these contractions five to six minutes apart. What did you guys decide to do for that day? So she, um, the next thing is she said absolutely no cervical checks was obviously chance of infection. She didn't even, it was like an absolute no, which mm-hmm. I was happy with because I didn't want any more. I knew she was coming. I knew she was healthy. I just knew it was a matter of time. So um, she told me to, I hadn't eaten a lot. And that's another thing guys, hospitals do not support vegans. So you will starve. So definitely have like your snacks and your goods. Rich did go out and actually grab something to eat because they don't even have plant milk. So just a heads up. But um, she said to me, listen, you got to eat something, just not something massive, but you know, because it's going to be in a couple of hours where you might not be able to eat. So I just want something in your body. So um, I think I had like hummus on toast or something. And then um, she came and chatted to me and said, listen, like baby's right there. And um, she's doing well. I think she just needs a little push. So um, I was, you know, open-minded to it. And she said, let's do, let's do the, um, is it the Sinotech? Um, how are you saying it right? Yes, yeah. Sinotech. And she said, um, I want to just give you the absolute like smallest stories. I think she literally gave me like a quarter of the tablet. I remember the nurse showing me. And she was like, I'm just going to pop it on your tongue. And it's just going to help wrap in your cervix a little bit more just to give her that little push, you know, um, because everything's going according. The water's broken. You know, you healthy. She went through everything with me. So um, anyway, we did that. And um, definitely contractions, you know, more contractions started coming on. And she said to me that, okay, so let's leave you for a couple of hours, you know, definitely move around the room, get moving, which I did. I didn't stop moving. I think that's why I was so tired. I walked that room, I did lunges, I did, you know, I was active all the time because I just remembered like you got to move, you know, yeah. and I'd rested a little bit the night before. So I felt good. And then um, she said, listen, at about four o'clock, I'm just going to come and check on you. And um, if you need like a tiny little bit, more of that last push just over the edge like we can do that 
So it wasn't like, we are going to do this. It was like, we're going to check back in. We're going to see how you feel. We're going to chat about it. And then we're going to make a decision. So she never felt like she was like, you know, pushing me into anything. I never felt forced at all prior to like how the previous day went, um, which I loved because I still felt like I was in control the whole time. And also like rich too, you know. So uh, she came back at four o'clock and, and I was having the contractions and um, they just weren't as intense as they needed to be yet. So she said to me, listen, how do I feel about once again, like the smallest dose of pictocin and just give me a little bit less to see how it goes. And um, because she said, it's just that little push, you know? So I said to Rich, listen, I feel ready. I feel good to go. Like I'm going to labor. I think, you know, she agrees. Daisy just needs to like that little push to be like, it's okay to come, you know? And that's all she did. So at four o'clock, um, I'd also rested a little bit, which she told me to do. And then the nurse came in and administered a really small dose of pectorosin. And immediately from the moment she did that, it's like I went into full-blown labor. Um, I remember being on the being on the ball at first. And then I was like, okay, wow, these contractions coming. And it was amazing how quickly my body responded to that small little dose of pectorosin. Um, and that's another thing too, like, you know, people think like when you get pectocin, there's different, there's different amounts that you can get. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't need a lot at all, you know? So, um, I was started laboring and then that's when, um, my husband Dula came into full blast. I think he kind of saw that shit was getting serious. So he, um, Rich, I was very fortunate Rich did the birthing classes with me. And then Birth Story Academy launched in February when Daisy Moon. So I'd actually gone through all the modules before birth too. So he was really educated on it. I think like guys, you can give him a book to read, but let's be real. Like, and I know him, he's crazy, but he ain't going to read. But give him something that he has to be a part of and like actually interact in like a birth class. He's paying attention. And I think that really helps. So yeah. I'd really, Did know, he figure out the that. double hip squeeze? Yeah, so he was really good with that. I think I did a lot of actual standing. I don't know, like with the gravity, but literally I would just like hang on him, mm-hmm. put my arms over him. And thank goodness he's really tall and strong. He's probably dying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was literally just hanging off of him. And he was really calm the entire time. He was just speaking like, so you're okay. And you're going to be okay. Daisy Moon is healthy. So it's almost like he was saying the affirmations in my ear, just but really calm. Um, my nurse then you know offered a birthing ball which I wanted because I started to get like not tired but you know obviously she was pushing down lower so there was a lot of pressure so I moved on to a birthing ball and um, she um, was monitoring the contractions right next to me we had tried to do the um, where it's not connected which is it through the patch you know the fetal monitoring with the patch yeah but it did get a little bit like, so there's yeah, no the wires. Bluetooth. Yeah, the Bluetooth yeah. monitoring. So even even though you might want that, it doesn't always go to plan. Like I had that, but then we had to do the other one because when you're moving so much, sometimes like bending over, et cetera, it does interfere. So, and I was moving a lot because that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to move. So um, I was on the ball and I just remember leaning on Richard and it felt so quick. If I'm really honest, like the the pain was really intense at some points, but I remember sitting on the ball, I felt such pressure and I thought to myself, I can't be ready to push ready. Like I just, it just felt like I started. And I remember whispering in Richard's ear, like Richard feels like I need a push. And he like politely told the nurse, like, oh, I think she feels like she needs to push. And the nurse was like very polite back and was like, yeah, you tend to feel a lot of pressure down there. And I just remember then like grabbing his ear and being like, I need to push <laughs> and then he was like oh no I think I think she definitely needs to push <laughs> to push so then like the nurse kind of saw like the intensity in in my face so things were moving really fast and I then moved on to bed and I was um on my side and then I got into my all fours and I don't know I don't know it just it was it was really fast like I said so next minute I heard her calling the, the midwife saying like I think things are moving really quickly and I think you need to come in and she did come in and she checked the next one I heard like okay we need the delivery team in room you know yeah and I was like oh wow like this is happening and Richard's like oh my god so like this is happening you know so um in terms of um the pain I think the you know while I was laboring I was definitely listening to my hypnobirthing but when it actually came into the actual labor when I was going into transition and I fully get what transition is now. Um, that place where you just want to 
give up or feel like you can't do it. And I'd prep my husband on it. Like, even though I say that, I can do it. So you just tell me I can do it, you yeah. know. So <laughs> it was quite funny, but um, that actually put the bed up for me. So I was on my knees, but I was hanging over the top of the bed. Yeah. And um, and uh, so my husband, who's really tall, was actually perfect because he could just literally talk to me. And um, I just remained with my eyes closed. And I just, you know, my biggest thing with the pain, if I could tell anybody, was that keep on telling yourself that this is temporary. And I kept on saying to myself, this is temporary. This is this is going to pass, you know. With every contraction, I would bear down. And then with my elbows, I would crawl back up and hang over and wait for the next one. And I think that's where Marie was just incredible, like just guiding me and talking to me and also my nerves. And um, they were just like really patient and just listen to your body and, you know, go with the contractions. And I think my biggest thing was I just surrendered. I just surrendered to the pain, to the contractions and took it wave by wave. And um, like I said, just knew that it would pass. And um, I think uh, Rich was really good at, you know, kind of speaking to the midwife and speaking to me and just kind of always giving me that affirmation that everything was okay and the baby was okay. Because like I said, she has a rainbow baby. So that's always in your heart and in your mind. I think I pushed for an hour in total. I think um, when she was almost out, I remember saying, Marie, does she have hair? And Marie was like, oh my God, nobody's ever asked me that, you know, but it's crazy, <laughs> like the things that go through your mind. But um, it was pretty incredible that um, um, I was able to do the vaginal unmedicated. She came out, it was the most incredible. There's nothing like it. I think you can try to explain it, but you really can't. But um, Rich got to to see it all and um you know, that's another thing. You always wonder how your husband's going to react. And he, I think he was just, like he says, it was the most amazing experience for, for him. And the way she cried, they were super respectful. And my wishes of putting her immediately onto my chest and helping me. And um, she wrapped a little finger around his. And I think that was, that was it. You know, it was just like, she's here, she's safe and everything is, everything's okay. Yeah. Like you did it. But um, i got to say that um, my midwife and, you know, my nurses, they they knew that I wanted to do it. They knew that I had a birth plan and they really did everything in their power to make that happen and to listen to what I wanted throughout the whole, you know, laboring, um, you know, up until when Daisy Moon arrived. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what pretty much how What time was it? What time was, it was the delivery? 7.27 p.m. Okay, 7.27 p.m. Okay, you guys, the audience, you've got to hear this one. So... From the doula's perspective over here, okay? I've just had the conversation with Richard and Tallulah about Pitocin. I've been talking to Marie about how they were going to start Pitocin, okay? And then, like, let's say, like, around, like, 5, 5.30, I'm, like, texting Richard, like, okay, how is she handling it? Like, what positions are we in? No response. So then I'm, like, texting Marie, and I'm, like, okay, how's everything going? You know, no response. And, like you know, a little bit of fear set in, right? Like, I'm like, okay, like, why is no one responding? Like, and like, there's this little piece that I'm like, oh no, like, did she have to have a cesarean section? Like, are they in the operating room? Like, why is no one answering? I didn't think like, you really were like a dandelion that just needed like someone to just go, you know what I mean? And like all the like little things fall is that the daffodil is it a dandelion da- whatever flower no, dandelion dandelion <laughs> yeah a little dandelion where you just go and all the little like white things like fly away I think that that's what the Pitocin was for you just like a little tiny little bit just put you over the edge because that was very fast to start Pitocin around four o'clock in the afternoon and have a baby at 7 30 like just three and a half hours later with an hour of pushing so if I if I think your body was probably already, because we weren't doing vaginal exams, I think you were probably already six or seven centimeters dilated before the Pitocin went in. And then the Pitocin just kind of saw you through your transition yeah. to get her here safely. And then maybe about, I don't know, 8.30 or 9, Marie texted me and said, I'm so sorry, we've been in the delivery. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, well, I'll just call them in the morning, I guess, and let them them sleep finally. So, I mean, what this story is to Lula is it's, it's hope that like, 
when you're prepared, when you're determined, when your partner is really loving you and supporting you, when you have the right birth team there, like, you know, it is possible to be have COVID, to have premature rupture of the membranes, to have a two-day essentially labor, and to go unmedicated and to have a vaginal birth in a hospital. And it really was because you spoke up and you told the nurses how you were feeling and how you didn't want that other midwife. And you talked to Daisy Moon and you told her to wait, you know? I mean, your birth story to me is just so beautiful and one of the most powerful stories I have because I always say a doula is a luxury. You you don't need a doula. A doula is nice to have, right? But every single birthing person, I believe, is born with the innate wisdom to do it alone. Even if Richard wasn't there, even if Marie wasn't there, even if the nurse wasn't there, I believe that you have every tool inside of your body to do it all by yourself, you know, and that every, any, every single additional person that can be there to support you is a luxury, you know? And so like you had everything that you needed. It was really beautiful. And now I just, and for those those moms who want to know, um, so they actually tested Daisy Moon twice. So when she was born and the next day, and she was COVID negative both times. So then the only thing was no placenta and scapula. We couldn't do that. Um, But the amazing thing with Marie is that she knew that I wanted to do that. So she still turned it into something positive because she called Rich and actually turned the placenta inside out and showed him the tree of life, which Mm -hmm. is one of these most memorable moments in that. So she like turned something that I wanted still into something positive, you know? And um, yeah, Daisy Moon was negative twice on both of those. We still were able to do the um, cord blood banking through Anjo. That was no problem at all. Um, And the only thing was the pee that I got was then asking me to wear a mask around my baby, which I was like, "Um, I just gave birth to her. Uh, Hell no. Like she's going to be on me. She's going to be on my breast. I'm not going to do that. So like I said, I think that, advocating never stops until you actually leave the hospital and when we got in the elevator that day and left we checked out and as we got in the elevator we heard them say was that a COVID one and then the elevator doors closed and Rich and I kind of looked at each other like isn't that crazy like it's just like you know they like got a movie so you know that's yeah. a movie scene right there yeah so you were able to nurse at the breast and of course take that you know I'm I shouldn't give medical advice over here, but like, I'm like, you could not put a mask on my face. I would be kissing my baby every two seconds. 100%. Like, yeah. It's mammalian. You want to like lick them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to kiss them, hold. I mean, you can't get close enough to them. There cannot be a barrier, not even like a shirt or a bra. I mean, you really just want to be like right on them. Okay. So Tallulah, let's talk a little bit about your postpartum swelling. Because you handled it naturally. And so I want you to talk about you had COVID still. So there was some shortness of breath and some swelling that occurred. And you worked with the lactation consultant and Marie to like resolve that naturally. And so could you just share a little bit about going back to the hospital? Yeah. So day one, day one was okay. When I got home, I was breastfeeding from get go, So that wasn't an issue at all. Um, I would say it kind of day three, I woke up and I felt exceptionally swollen and I expected to be swollen, but I was swollen to a point that I couldn't even bend my ankles. That's how massive, um, I was and just like my face and everything. So I thought to myself, okay, water retention, I wonder what's causing this, you know, so I did try and put like my feet in an ice bath, that kind of thing. Um, But then I noticed that every single time that I laid down, I was extremely short of breath. So I thought, could it be the COVID? But then the day that I left the hospital, the next day I tested negative for COVID. So I thought to myself, "Mm, maybe it's like afterwards, but it was definitely when I was lying down. And then um, I remember that the first night I wasn't feeling good. So I went to the, um, I went to the urgent care. And the wait was eight hours. So I got back into my car and was like, I'm not leaving my baby. So I went home. And then um, the next day, it kind of continued and got worse. And that's when um, I sent some pics to Heidi. And then it was like, let's go back to the Matthews Urgent Care, um, which I did. 
and uh, they were a lot more helpful. So they did some bloods, et cetera, and um, kind of ruled out a lot of things. I did have, um, after I gave birth, they did remove a massive blood clot, clot, which I'm very grateful for that they did it after the labor. It was huge. Um, but what they did is they just, they did scan and double check because that was the main thing was, you know, hemorrhaging and worrying if there was a blood clot. So once they cleared all of that, um, the, working with Marie, they got it down to um, the amount of fluids that were um, administered to me when I gave birth or after I gave birth could have been a little bit too, too much. So my body was struggling to release them. So the doctor, then um, there was another doctor on call and he wrote me a script for um, diuretics. So it was crazy because he was like, we can go and get them immediately for you and you can take one now. And in my head, I was like, hmm, how is this going to affect my breastfeeding? Because being vegan, there is no vegan infant formula. And I was like, 100% not going to give my baby cow's milk or anything with casein. So I knew I, you know, I wanted to uh, breastfeed 100%. So I got in the car and I said to Rich, Rich, thank God Melissa's coming tomorrow um, from Lactation Legacy because I need to speak to her about this because I'm so worried about my milk, you know? And, you know, you try Google and stuff. And when I saw Melissa, she was like, please, tell me you did not take it, you know, and thank God I didn't take it. Um, so through working with her, we managed to figure out some natural diuretics, which are like your, um, there's a whole list of them, but a big one on there was watermelon. It's quite crazy because that's what I ate in the beginning of my pregnancy, but to eat a ton of that, any kind of like melons, anything with a high water contact to help me get rid of it. And that's what I did. Um, grapes, you know, things like that. And within five days, it had all gone just through the natural diuretics and my breast milk wasn't, I had so much breast milk, but I think it's from prior to, I think when I was like 36 weeks pregnant, because I was like so focused on breastfeeding, I started eating like tons of overnight oats and tons of oatmeal with oat milk, with banana. So um, I think that, you know, I'm so grateful that none of that kind of stuff affected the breast milk. And then obviously those natural diuretics, they're not going to affect your breast milk. So that was complete peace of mind. But thank God for Melissa. So that's why I highly recommend seeing a you know, lactation specialist afterwards. Not only do they help with your latching, but just if you are really strong on a breastfeeding experience, they are going to give you like the tools to make you kind of succeed in that. Yeah. And did that shortness of breath resolve with this when the swelling yeah. went away? Basically, it was the water um, pushing against, obviously, with pregnancy, your lungs and everything is so compressed. And then having so much water retention pushing against that too, that was the actual water was causing the shortness of breath. Got it. Yeah. Oh, so scary. But you got through it all naturally again. Yeah. And those like really, I mean, watermelon really is such an amazing diuretic. It's also when you have children, it's also a really good stool softener. So like if my kids get constipated or haven't pooped for a few days, I'm like, we're eating the, a whole watermelon, you know, and within <laughs> like literally an hour, like they'll be on the toilet, like having to poop. It's it's amazing parenting tip, you guys. So Tallulah, where I want to round this off, because it's just such a beautiful story. It's such a great journey of entrepreneurship too. But you've taken it one step further since you gave birth to Daisy Moon. And now it really seems like you are on this like plight to like share with the world how to be vegan pregnant, how to travel as a vegan, how to be a mom as a, as a vegan, how to raise a purely vegan baby. And so could you just share a little bit about how the audience can find your YouTube channel and your Instagram so that they can follow yeah. along and support you? We actually started an Instagram group. We had so many. So with the restaurant, we exposed to so many people and obviously they saw me pregnant and now they see Daisy Moon at the restaurant and we get, because it's a very family oriented restaurant, we have so many pregnant mamas who come. So um, a lot of them ask me questions and a lot of them ask me how Daisy Moon is doing. And I think they can see from her chunky little legs that she's doing really well. But um, they ask me so many questions and, you know, so many people have said to me too, why don't, you know, you speak about it more, et cetera. And I thought to myself, it's actually, you know, it's silly not to speak about it because so many people could help, you know. So we started, it's very new. It's a new Instagram page. It's vegan AF Duffins. And the AF means exactly what you think it means. But um, yeah, and on there we are, it's just real and raw. It's basically our family. It's what we've been through. Along Daisy Moon's journey, there's a lot of pictures of Daisy Moon. And I do that. And the reason why I do that is not just because obviously I'm biased and she's so cute, but to show you just how healthy she is. Like you can just look at her and see like she is thriving. Um, 
but just in terms of um, even like products, they are the most amazing products that are cruelty free out there and um, that, you know, it would be so much better to be buying and supporting those kind of companies that are making a difference compared to others who just don't give a shit. So um, I really try and promote those kind of uh, companies to, to just create a little bit of awareness around, you know, when you go and you pick up something off a shelf, do you turn it around? Do you see that there's a little bunny to make sure it's cruelty free or do you not care, you know? And for me, I just think about her future because there isn't a planet B. So I'm very conscious about like, you know, what is going to be left for Daisy Moon? So yeah, I try and promote those products. I try and promote basically what I do as a mom. Um, Very real. We're going through our second sleep regression. So, you know, I'm in there with the other moms, facing those hardships, but just getting through it. And then also, um, for example, she's six months. How crazy is that? On Monday, um, we're starting baby led weaning. So as a vegan baby, I'm going to be posting on a daily basis of what she's going to be eating and how I make sure that she gets all the nutrients that she needs. And also I post a lot about breastfeeding because I have, I'm very blessed that I've had an amazing breastfeeding journey. I'm still breastfeeding. She's a hundred percent breastfed. And, um, just certain things that I've done, little tips and tricks along the way. But um, yeah, just basically showing our vegan lifestyle in and out every day. And then we started a YouTube channel, also very new, but it's along with Rich and um, also dad's perspective of a vegan lifestyle and him as a vegan dad and a vegan entrepreneur and husband to us. And, um, you know, just daily choices that we make just to try and kind of cause us less harm as we can in the world. But um, yeah, just putting it out there just trying to help other people along the vegan journey, really. Yeah. And we're going to link to everything in the show notes, including your favorite products. What is the YouTube channel? It's it's the same. So it's same. the Vegan AF Duffins. Yeah. Good. Good for you. And that's going to be the name of the vegan formula that you're about to make because there isn't one. <laughs> That's next on the checklist. Yeah. When you're listening to this podcast, be looking for all of the products. Like I know that that's where Tallulah is going. I can feel it in my bones, right? That Aries in you, Tallulah, that's like, I can't, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. Like you're not going to be fine with the fact that there's not a vegan formula. Like I know you're going to make one. I know you're going to make one. I'm your biggest fan. (laughs) The vegan world needs it. Like there needs to be vegan formula because what, what if, right in our group in our IBCLC that works with us exclusively, you know, that she was talking about Melissa Willette, this is really, really important. We do breast milk sharing. So we have other vegans in our group that could have provided breast milk for Tallulah that we know are like certified vegan breast milk moms, you know, but like, what if you don't have that community, right? Yeah. What's the backup plan? 100%. I'm just yeah. here to coach you, Tallulah, as your, <laughs> as your like life doula now that like, I hope that you make that formula worldwide that no one else is making it. I hope that's your product. So um, Tallulah, thank you so much for being on the birth story podcast. This is an incredible episode, but as you guys have heard, there is so much content that needs to be devoured in the show notes. You've got to link to the Instagrams and the YouTube channels and the products. So like, this is the time where I ask you to push pause write a review and go look at all of Tallulah's amazing um, recommendations. Thank you so much Tallulah for choosing me to be your doula and to be on this journey with you, even though it looked very different than what you were expecting it to look like. It was such a beautiful story and I'm thankful that we get to share it with the world because there is another mom right behind you who's going to be 38 weeks, get positive for COVID, have her water break, and now she has a positive birth story to carry her through. And so that's, you know, forever grateful. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Hadi. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 